If you, those that have Bibles want to turn to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Often referred to as the Shema. Uh, those that are able, would you rise uh, in honor of God's holy word? And those that can't, if you would just spiritually lift yourself up. This is often what the Jewish people always did. They respected uh, how important the word of God was. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on, your, on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. We just remain standing for prayer. Father God, I just uh, come before you today as your son, thankful to be in your family. But Lord, today as we look at your word, as we honor fathers, and especially you, Father, we, we ask that uh, you would hide me behind your cross, you would pr- protect me from non-truths, and Lord, I ask that you would change our hearts, you'd meet each person where they need needs, and, and they would come out more conformed to your image because they've been in your presence. We ask this in the holy name of Christ, amen. You may be seated. Father's Day. Special day set apart to uh, celebrate. And I'm not even pretending to be the foremost expert on uh, this particular topic, but I hope to use Scripture to kind of back it up because our Heavenly Father is the expert on it. Yeah, I... Uh, I became a father when I was 25 years old, uh, went, into child, uh, went into the room where my daughter was de- delivered, I was 25 years old, and here she came out, and, now, and then I said, what do I do now? You know, they didn't, the, the doctors didn't give you a manual, and for you young people, believe it or not, they didn't have YouTube. You couldn't go in there and say how to be a dad or how to be a father there. So we're, we're going to try to, to go through celebrating that. And the, the first father that we should celebrate, of course, is our Heavenly Father, God Almighty. You ever ask the question in your house, why does God refer to himself as Father? I mean, he could have used any other term. He could have said, I'm Creator. He could say, I'm the Almighty One. I'm, I'm the uh, Sustainer. I'm the Master. I, you know, I'm the omnipotent power of the universe. But no, he says, I'm Father. Okay? And I, I think you find the answer in Second Corinthians six eighteen, where he says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Huh. What kind of thing is he trying to set up here? He's trying to set up a relationship. 
God could have gone along real happy with with him and the Father, or the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but for some reason, he wanted to have a relationship with you and I. And he calls us son and daughters and him the Father. In John 1, 12 and 13, he says, for those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ, I give them the right to become the what? His children. His children. It's all about a relationship, a strong love relationship. What's the other term he calls out his church to be besides sons and daughters? He calls you the what? The bride. Now, there's no closer relationship between a bride or sons and daughters. And this, this is what God was talking about here in this. And, of course, on this day, we want to celebrate our earth, earthly dads as well. You know, my loving uh, dad, he taught me how to ride a bike and how to fish and how to hunt, how to drive a stick shift, even how to shave, you know. But the thing he taught me most of all was he taught me how to love my family. He, he, he passed that on. At a very young, in, early institute, he taught into me that you, you honor your, your wife-to-be by waiting until you, until you get married. And I was able to do that in a time and day and age where that wasn't going on in the 60s. So today I thought we would honor our uh, biological, or in some cases it might be a stepdad or something like that. Does anybody want to share a, a, a testimony of why your dad was special to you or a special memory? I'll give you, you just stand up and, and say it out. Anybody want to do that? Steph. Had a dad that was true to the word. Anybody else? Wayne.
He shared his love through you by, by making a way where you could get your own home for your family. Yes, young lady. I, I couldn't hear it. Somebody say it. Could you say it louder or somebody repeat it? <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Anybody else like to share? Yes. <laughs> I heard, saw some other hands. Carolyn. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, Dale. Fire Dale. <laughs> Fired up Dale. If you guys know Dale at all, he knows the Word of God. <laughs> so dad, dad did a good thing there. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Dale. Protector, huh? Uh, Sally.
Taught you how to fish, huh? Good deal. Yes, Gail. Anyone else before we get going? Okay, we got this young lady and then Don, and then we'll call it there. Just because we all get kind of amazing deaths. Go ahead. Isla. <laughs> well, at least Mom's smart enough to know that Dad will do it, so... <laughs> Who is the who is the other one? I forgot. My brain's dead. Don. Amen. So if you get a chance today, you know, if your folks are still alive, uh, call them up and say thanks. You know, I got a good message for my son, and I appreciated it. Going back to the Shema, it tells us at least three things that as a dad we should be doing. The first one, he says, love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength and your might. Basically, he's saying, love God with all that you have. Because he knew that as a leader of the family, that if you love God, it was very likely that your family would learn to love God as well. He also tells us to meditate on the Word of God. He said, put it in your hearts. He he not only told them to put it in the cars, God actually... You know, sometimes we think people are kind of strange that have the T-shirts and the hats and the bumper stickers. But what did he tell those people? He said, I want you to wear it on your forehead. I want you to wear it on your wrist. And they would literally have these little leather boxes and put Scripture on there. And if you had Scripture taped to your forehead, I think you would think about it. Told them to put it above their doorposts. So when you entered their house, you saw Scripture. And then, then he tells us to teach your children. You know, there's a lot on the news lately about CRT. I guess it stands for critical race theory. And there's some people that are upset about that and some that are in it. Some are upset in schools they teach evolution. Uh, some they're upset about this and that. But that's a cop-out in my eyes. God tells you to teach your children at home. Teach them what is right. Teach them what is true. It's not really up to teachers to raise your children and, and form their, uh, what they believe. When does he say to do this? He says to do it when, they, when you wake up. Do it when you go to breakfast. 
Do it when you when you go to lunch, do it as you go to work, go as you walk along, go it right before you go to bed. Basically, he's saying, as long as you have breath, you should be teaching your children about God. It's not a Sunday job. When to do it, he says, it, you, never, you can never do it when they're too young. I've been going to a Bible study for the last couple of years at pastor's house, and the tennis is always are there, but guess who's always with them? Eden and Griffin. They're always there, and they're always listening, and sometimes they give smarter answers than we do, but they're there. They're soaking in God's Word. They're seeing that it's important to their parents. I did the same thing. We dragged our kids, and they'd fall asleep in them and everything else, but they were there. Some people thought I was a little loony. I, I made my son start going to men's prayer meeting when he was eight years old. But at those prayer meetings, one day, uh, a superintendent of our district, God told him that he called him into the ministry. And today, he's the pastor of a pretty large church. But he didn't want to go to those. But, you know, he, as he was there, he became more comfortable with praying and so on and so forth. And where do we do it? Everywhere. Dad's out there. Mom's too. Being a Christian mom or Christian dad is not a temporary job. It's not a Wednesday job or a Sunday job. It's full time. But God can work with us. He doesn't expect us to be perfected. I'd like to talk a little bit about a famous father this morning, and that's Father Abraham. We all know the Father Abraham song. I mean, I, could, I was just picturing in my mind today, I was thinking of Wayne and Dan and Lee all dancing to Father Abraham. And I'm sitting there. God's got to love us to go watch that, you know. <laughs> but seriously, when we had the joy of children and, and that thing, and we're jumping around and we're waving things, that, that's, that's an awesome time. But when you look at uh, Abraham, he had, he had a lot of issues. He just kind of shows up in Scripture, and God kind of talks to him, and he says, Ab Ab at that time he's Abram, but he says, Abram, if you'll leave your family, you'll leave the land you live on, you'll leave the people that you've known your whole life, and go where I tell you, Canaan, then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a great nation. I'm going to get, bless your name. People will know it. And all the peoples of the world will be blessed through you. Now, that's a pretty big deal for a dad to have that done. So he picks up, gets his wife Sarai and uh, his nephew Lot, and, and they head off. And he does good, pretty good for a little while, but then problems start coming in there. He, he's in Canaan, and a famine takes place, right? And as a provider, he kind of wants to have food for his family. But he, he, it doesn't show that he really consults God. He just decides to go to Egypt, Okay. So he picks up his family in Sarai and 
he goes to Egypt. But now there's a problem here. Sarai is incredibly beautiful. I mean, breathtaking. And so when he goes to Egypt, he fears for his very life that she is so beautiful that they'll kill me and take my wife. You husbands, I want you to turn to your wife and say, I know what his problem was. I can totally relate. Remember, you can thank me later, no. But, but seriously, he thought for sure they would kill him, so he calls his wife his sister. And of course, now the, it, it, the guy's becoming sick and weird, and he finds out that it's because of God, God is doing this. Meanwhile, God keeps reiterating his promises to him, that he's going to be a blessing. He's going to uh, change the, the world, basically. They're, he's going to have so many offspring that it's going to be more than the sands on the, the beach, more than the stars in the sky. But he's having problems here, too. Him and his wife aren't able to have children at first. So him and his wife agree that, well, we'll get Hagar, the concubine and maidservant. And she has a child, and that child becomes Ishmael. And, of course, that creates an issue now because of jealousy, and Ishmael ends up being the, the, the leader of the Muslim group, basically. And they have issues, so they, they, they kick out Hagar and Ishmael. But then God comes to him again and says, no, you're going to have one of your own offspring. And then does anybody remember how old Abram is when he does have Isaac? 100 years old. 100 years old when he has Isaac. We see how God keeps answering his promises, if you will. But then, here he is. You can imagine having a son at 100 years old, and this guy becomes the apple of your eye. He's everything. Okay? He's your special one. And then God talks to him, and again he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. Oh, geez. (laughs) That's a pretty big deal for God to answer this. But of course, he, he responds with, yes, I'll do it. And it talks about in Romans 4 how Abraham was a man that is lifted up because of his faith. Not of his works, but because he believed God. He trusted God in what he said. So fathers, one of the things that I'm trying to point out here is that God's going to call on you to do sacrifices. I doubt that he's going to ask you to offer your child as a burnt offering, but he's going to ask you some pretty big things. But as fathers, we're called to offer a sacrifice. Our first sacrifice is told in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and Jake kind of was talking about that a little bit today. We're to offer ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice. And then in verse 2, he not only says we're not only to offer our whole bodies, 
We're to offer our minds so they can be transformed by God. So dads, you've got to offer all you have to God. Yes, he does call upon you, as I heard some of the testimony that dad bought, provided a shelter, and he, he provided health for people that were sick. He provided physical things. But dads, I think what he, what your kids really need, or always need, is they need you. They need your time. They need your attention. They need your instruction. They need you to love them. A child growing up with his dad's love is priceless. I'd like to read you a couple verses in Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Verses 1 and 2. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Skipping to verse 4. All the verses in between are good, too. He taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commandments and you will live. Skipping to 6. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost all. You have to get understanding. We need to point out that the children need to get that wisdom. And fathers, you're to, you're to provide that. Even if your mom tells you to go ask dad for it. But, but no, this, this is said to moms too as well, okay? Fathers give valuable gifts. It's probably an old illustration, and you, a lot of you have probably heard it. But there was a, a man that he, he was a drawbridge uh, operator, I think in the Bay Area or somewhere like that. And his job, of course, was when... Large ships with people would come through. He would raise the drawbridge so they could get through there safely. So one day, this man takes his son with him. Takes his son to work with him. He's just a seven, eight-year-old boy. And they're kind of bored. He's just sitting in that little room where they operate the drawbridge. And the son says, can I go play around on the bridge? And he allows him to do it. And he looks over there on the far side, and he sees his son is climbing around in the, the giant gears that mechanically lift this drawbridge up. And the father's just kind of not paying much attention. Then here comes a big cruise liner. And I mean, it's full of people. They're all over the deck because they want to wave, and they're holding up drinks, and they're just having a good old time. And they're coming up to the drawbridge, and his son, he looks over, and his son's in the gears. And the father says, what do I do? If I lift up the drawbridge, my son gets crushed to death, and the people survive. Or I could do selfishly what I want, and that's to leave the drawbridge down and get my son off of there, and then 
the boat crashes and thousands of people will probably perish. So he doesn't know what to do, and then finally he decides to raise the drawbridge. He raises the drawbridge, and he sees his son get crushed beyond unbelief. And here comes the cruise ship by, and the people are waving, and they're holding up drinks. And tears are just running down the father's eyes. This is very much with a picture of God in us. He had to give up his son so an unknowing people had a chance to live. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whoever believes him would never perish but have everlasting life. His son came not to condemn but to save the world. See, Father's gift. And I don't know what God will ask you to give. The last thing that he asks you to do as fathers is forgive. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The son wanted his inheritance and he takes it off and he lives a, a crazy life doing things that he shouldn't be doing and he spends all of his money and he's groveling and he's eating and pig swine and he decides, well, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against the Father, but at least his workers have food to eat, so he, he goes home. And his father sees him far off. Notice the father was keeping track of him the whole time, but he wasn't forcing his son to be exactly who he wanted to be. And he, get, he gets to the situation and he says, prepare the fatted calf. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. These were all things to say, and I'm going to reinstate him as, as full status as my son with the family crest and all of, all of these things here. He was, he was ready to forgive. He was just waiting for his son to repent and come back. It's kind of like you, you, some of you guys here, Mark's not here, but some of you got some new fancy pickup trucks. And imagine you have the best diesel truck that's out there and it's brand new and the leather smells. And you walk out into the driveway and your three-year-old child is taking a rock and he's decided to try to scratch his name in it. And he scratches a couple of big old crosses and X's, all sorts of things all over the side of that. And the father comes out and sees that the, the side of his I don't know what those trucks cost anymore, but a lot of money. And his kids are all out there playing, and he said, tells his kids, Who, which one of you did this? Who did this? Who could do such a horrible thing? And the three-year-old goes, it was me, Daddy. It was me, Daddy. I did it. So how does the father react to such a thing? Can the three-year-old pay for the damage he did to the truck? No. He probably doesn't have an even concept of what he did. He probably thought, my, my dad's going to be proud. I'm, I'm learn I could write the letter A on there. And that's a little bit, a lot like the story we had. We had a huge debt to pay. All of our sins were against God and God only. 
And we had no way to pay it, no way to do it. Romans 5.80 says, For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And a couple of the last things that Jesus said as he hung on the cross, one of them was telestiae. Anybody know what that means? It means it is finished. It is accomplished what I did on the cross. And then he looked down at the people and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they did. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they did. Fathers, we have to have that kind of heart. So I want to leave you with with this, and I'm sorry it went a little bit long. Fathers, the the Bible asks you to love God with all of your heart, your soul, strength, and might. Then he tells us to give all you have and instruct. Give that all to your, your families. We're not to have any debt except love. And then forgive them as Christ forgave you. Father God, I just thank you for this time in Jesus' name.